Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast with your hosts, myself, Mr. Laz Michaelides, and on the screen opposite me, your co-host, Mr. Felipe Amarim. How are you doing, bro? Hello, brother. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. Guys, listen, I'm a little ill today. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a bit sniffly. I'm a bit sneezy. I'm going to do my best to try and not sniff and cough and sneeze through i'm going to turn away so you might hear faint sneezes in the background (laughs) but i'll do my best and um, we'll try and keep this normal but yeah just bear with me basically uh but felipe you've got a story you've got a story to tell apparently felipe's a little late he's about 20 minutes late to our recorded time he said i've got a story that you're not going to believe so i'm I'm going to this so go for it very good reason very good reason (laughs) um my first ever band was uh, with my cousins back in Brazil, so I had a band with them. And um, uh, I, have, I have to mention his name, Gustavo Dori, my cousin. He was um, he was a bass player and singer in, um, in, my, in in this band, and we used to do pretty much what we do with this show, like just sit and listen to albums and talk about stuff. And um, and one of our favorite albums was the Super Tramp live in, in, in Paris. So we used um, to talk about that. And he called me this morning. He lives in Japan. So we haven't talked, like, we haven't spoken in ages. And and he called me <laughs> this morning and said, man, I was listening to some music, some <laughs> of the stuff we used to listen to. And I decided to, to give you a call. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So it's, tot- it's, it's <laughs> totally related to the show. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah. And I said to him, you won't believe me. I woke up this morning listening to Supertramp and, and, I, and, and I was thinking of you as well. So that's a perfectly uh, valid reason you delayed the show to go and talk to a former colleague about <laughs> Supertramp, which is absolutely yes. fine because actually we haven't told the audience what we're doing yet. Today, oh, yeah. we are doing the album Breakfast in America by Supertramp. So now it makes sense to you all why I'm okay with Felipe being late because he was talking about Super Tramp. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. And I, I first got to know them by the live album that came after this, which is really cool. Yes. Do you know what? Let's talk about that because that's exactly how I got to know them as well. Yeah. I used to go um, and hang out with my stepbrother, Tarek, in London. Uh, and one of the first times we hung out together, I arrived at his house and... Super Tramp Live in Paris was on on Sky Arts and I'd never heard any any of their music before and this is years ago by the way I really couldn't even maybe 10 years ago maybe a little maybe 8 or 9 years ago but anyway um, I remember listening and just hearing this fantastic variety of like different kinds of music from this one band and i can see the instruments these guitars harmonicas saxophones keyboards basses just like my god it's a rock band that seemed to play everything but the music that was coming through was just it was just different it was like it was poppy but also proggy it was heavy but also accessible it was like it just had a bit of everything well it's interesting because when i listen when i listened to them this week I was like, this is more prog than I than I remembered. Yeah. You know, I haven't listened yeah. to Super Tramp in years, apart from the occasional uh radio play, you know. Mm. Sometimes you're somewhere and they play on the radio. But I'm 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 really impressed because I, I thought, well, we're gonna actually be talking about an album that is more like a pop album by a prog band than than the other way around. But it sounds a lot more prog than I remember. 
And as far as I'm concerned, they were even more prog before this album, and they went back to it later in their career. Yeah. So this this might be the most uh, uh, the closest they ever been to pop music with this album. You know. You're you're right, and that's um that's something I was gonna sort of bring up at some point is that my favorite. So I don't know much Supertramp, but I know this album, I know the album before, and I know the album before that, and the album the, the one I'm talking about. Two, two albums before is called Crime of the Century. And I love that album. I've got it on vinyl. It is one of my sort of favorite sort of 70s rock albums. I think there's just so many great tunes on there. And I do prefer it to Breakfast in America. But there's an accessibility in Breakfast in America, isn't there, where just anyone can listen to it and, and connect with any of the songs. Uh, yeah. as, in, as in any of those songs on Breakfast in America could be on the radio. Yes, any of them. Any of them, you know, and still they they experimenting as well, which is which is not uh, what you, you would think uh, of a um, like really a hugely popular album like this. But yeah, because I think that the, the fact that they have saxophone and harmonica and, and uh, that the whole orchestration is different. The, the way they arrange yeah. stuff is not it's not that. Come also uh, because the the, the the band leader, let's put it like that, is a piano player. So you, you have more piano and keyboards as as the lead instrument than anything else. So the guitar is a bit in the background, isn't it? I mean, it's really funny you say that because one of my um, one of my sort of takeaways from this album and the instrumentation of it, I've got it written somewhere on one of the songs on my notes, but I loved how the guitar. So things like um, I don't know. Let's take the saxophone and the harmonica. They're instruments that when they're used in this album, they're never leading the song. There's never a song that's led by the saxophone. They come in and it sometimes maybe it plays um, uh, a few little motifs and melodies at the end of a, a section. The harmonica comes and does a little solo. For a rock band to have a guitar that never leads a song, the, the guitar is only there, like the saxophone and like the harmonica, just to come in and embellish stuff, add a little melody here, do a solo here. I just found it funny that the guitar, I don't want to say never, but I, th- I think very rarely yeah, but, leads the song, leads any of the songs. It doesn't. I don't think it leads the songs. It adds a lot, but doesn't lead. That's that's what I think uh, um, is interesting because probably that's what allowed them to go through lineup changes and 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 keep their identity because it's still about those two voices and that piano more than yeah. anything else and I, that that was probably a clever thing to do to to just stay in charge let's say you know the band leaders are in charge of the most important uh, uh, layers of sound in the band. Yeah, so, and that, be it their vocals, be it the guitar, be it the keyboards, you know, because yeah. both very influenced in that. Look what yeah. I picked out, because I'm going to watch it later. <laughs> oh, that's I've got it, it on Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, I'm going to watch it later. Like, <laughs> um, oh. Cool. Right, I'll do the normal little uh, just information about the album. So the album's called Breakfast in America. The artist, obviously, is Super Tramp. It was released on the 29th of March, 1979, and it was recorded between May and December, 1978, produced by Peter Henderson and Super Tramp. Uh, the length is about 46 minutes, and typical genres associated with it pop art rock and soft rock now my first question is why do people not i I did quite a bit of 
sort of looking around and sort of researching. I, I heard pop, I heard art rock, I heard pop rock, I heard soft rock. Didn't see much mention of prog, which I thought is quite interesting because although it is a far lesser proggy album than the previous stuff, it still definitely has prog elements, don't you think? Well, yeah, the last song, um, the second half of the song is them jamming. Yeah. <laughs> in a very proggy way. So, and uh, even if even if you listen to to the very first track in, in the album, it's quite like dramatic in a, in a in a in a kind of classical music approach, and I like yeah. that. And it's it's and the, and you have this piano uh, uh, riff leading the song. I think it's that's extremely prog, in my opinion. Yeah, Although, yeah. So, because because attention to to uh, um, maybe. Um, we we tend to analyze songs based on the melody and lyrics, and uh, and then if you strip it down to those two things, then yes, they were essentially. Uh, well, this album is essentially a pop album in that sense. Uh, yeah. uh, but but the instrumentation for me is all prog, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of prog rock, so uh, that that for me is a compliment. <laughs> so, yeah, the, um, it's funny because you said how keyboard heavy it was, and it does. Um or piano and keyboards and it is uh it is very much like that the 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 impression and the the feeling that comes to me from that is that it has a very musical theater-esque sound yeah. about it and i think another thing that lends itself to that um to that sort of characteristic is is the vocals because yeah throughout nearly the whole album so we'll take we'll talk about the um the the band quickly so you've got rick davies who is the band leader right on Mm -hmm. vocals and keyboards you've got roger hodgson who's like the co-band leader on vocals and guitars with the occasional keyboards then you've got john helliwell on saxophone uh woodwind and backing vocals Bob Seibenberg on vocals and drums, and Dougie Thompson on bass. So as you mentioned, you've got Rick Davies and Roger Hodgson leading the band with their vocals. And throughout most of the album, you've got both of them. One of them might sing a song uh, or sing the full song and this, uh, sorry, some one of them might take the lead vocals on this song and the other one take the lead vocals on the next song. But in a lot of the music, there was back and forth, isn't it? Roger sings there is, yeah. and Rick's replies to it and vice versa. And that's what made me feel like it was almost musical theatre. And as well with the piano leading it, I can just envision in my head, well, we'll talk about the lyrics later, but I can well, envision... Yeah characters traveling to america and a stage show <laughs> on the stage them talking to each other you know it's, it's got that sort of feeling hasn't it yeah it, it does and uh, goodbye strangers i think is the uh the the, the biggest moment of that kind of interaction yeah. and one thing i like is that their voices are so different from each other like yes yeah. it's, it's you have this high-pitched voice you know proper like uh, 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 lyric, outside, like like um, it's a falsetto. Uh, he sings, yeah, falsetto, yeah. and um, yeah, exactly. And and then the deeper voice of Davis, which is it, it's it's just like completely different. You know who is singing when they sing it. It's just like uh, Roger Waters and David Gilmour and Pink Floyd when they yeah. sing. You know who is who, and the yeah. contrast is really cool. Sometimes, like how 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 do you decide who is the best? And what's your who's your favorite singer in the band when you have different vocals in my my opinion uh i'm a big fan of the contrast it's not about uh who's who sings better or, or who has, has the most problem. beautiful voice. Yeah. yeah i lo- I love the fact that you can use both voices in that way and as i said is and they use it in, in a 
pretty much like a conversation instead of harmonizing, which I I I believe is one of their unique selling points. Let's put it like that. Yeah, no, it is this is really good stuff. Um, talking of the first song, then I mean, what I loved, and we mentioned the guitars, is that in the same way that I said the guitar just comes as a, as an extra, you know, it's not part of the song until they add it in just to add some textures to the end there's got that really hard rock riff at the end of gone hollywood doesn't it which really yeah. reminded me of um uh some of the music from aqualung by jethro tull that we, we that we reviewed <laughs> because with aqualung although it was much more guitar heavy and guitar led there were moments where it actually wasn't so much and the guitar would just yeah. creep in at the end and although you got an overall progressive sound from Aqualung, there were still moments that felt like hard rock verging into heavy metal in terms of hard, distorted guitar riffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, um, but that's, again, the, the the freedom to experiment and try those things and, and not um, and not having to make a, uh, one song sound like the, the previous song in the album. And I think there's a lot of this in, in this album. They, they have the, the main characteristics of the, the the piano and the vocal contrast i wouldn't even say the vocal harmonies but the contrast yeah. and uh those elements are in the whole album but the songs uh you know they 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 do vary a lot from you know uh from long slow songs with uh, longer instrumental sections to like shorter songs with mainly piano and vocals so you got it all uh gone hollywood it's it's, it's I, I didn't remember that song when I listened to it again. I was like, "Wow, this is so cool!" <laughs> uh, and 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 obviously, I, I, again, I I I focus way more on listening to the lyrics now, and the, and the lyrics are just brilliant in that song because it's this guy disappointed with Hollywood, like uh, I'm, you know. So yeah. I moved to California, and it's not what I thought it was. And I think the whole album has this vibe about like. Uh, the album cover. I mean, if you can describe it, it's it's um, it's just it's just brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. So it's 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 like he's, he's looking out of a, from an aeroplane um, window, and he can yeah. see. Well, do you know what it is? Is it New York? I or? think it's New York, but everything yeah. shaped like um, yeah, everything's like, a skyscraper. Like but 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 it's shaped like cups, and uh, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and oh, yeah, that, that's something I didn't look. Check at. it out. Check oh my god, like you're right, table. of course. Yeah, how yeah. do you see it? Salt and pepper shaker, uh, teacups, yeah. yeah. Those are the buildings, carton. yeah. So that's like New York, but the buildings are uh, <laughs> <That's> so brilliant, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really clever because my own fault for not sitting there and saying, Right, let's look at this. I just kind of glanced at it because I'd seen yeah. other before, but that is very clever. It's like a trick of the eye, and then you've got this American waitress in front, yeah. Holding up a tray with well, it's a, just flying, right? It's just right in front of the window. The yeah. plane is not, it hasn't landed yet, and she's like serving you, like you, 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 you're just arriving in America. You're still in the airplane, and then and the waitress is like serving you a non yeah. juice or whatever, and the menu is like you need to. You know, it's like you need to start spending, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. But at the same time, you know, you're making that point about the sort of the spending side of it and the money in America. But I think that also talks to um pr probably the, the personalities of americans because obviously yeah. you know americans they're so diverse you get some that are fan just like any any sort of nationality yeah. of people you get lovely ones you get not nice ones people in the middle whatever but one thing that americans are is you know stereotypically general, is quite, yeah. um, what did you say in general in general yeah quite um 
or would you say energetic, forthcoming, that they, they want to talk? That, well, if you, if, if you compare the average American to the average British, I would, I would say, say they're, that, definitely, yeah. they're definitely more cheerful, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can imagine, <laughs> before you even step... In, in Britain, for, 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 for foreign listeners, for, for listeners who aren't British, if you walk into a restaurant, you might have to stand for a minute or two at the front where a sign says, please wait to be seated. And the waitress <laughs> and the waiters, they go around and they're sort of, okay, well, hold on, let me serve this guy's food first. Right, has they, have they got their drinks? Right, okay, now I can seat this couple. Hi, guys, where what are you, you know, you here for dinner today? Whereas Americans, I feel like as soon as you're in the door, it's like, well, ha, can I get a seat for you too? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> they, no, they have this me, energy, me. don't they? Yeah, they're yeah. such lovely people, Americans, you know. But then but then there's a the thing about um, the uh, what you think America is uh, as a tourist or as someone who's watching a movie and as someone who's living there, I don't know if they were living there, but they were there for the recordings. They were there for months recording the album in L.A. And uh, the, the lyrics are of this first song, Gone Hollywood, about someone who is there and they didn't make it as an artist or an yeah. actor. And they're like uh, uh, tired of people slamming the door. There's, there's, there's that reference in, in, in the song, say, we're not, you're not what we're looking for. And there's like disappointment. So like, oh, I'm yeah. in L.A., loads of like, creepy people around I have like, really, so that's yeah. The, the, yeah the dark side of it isn't it it's like i've got here two notes about the lyrics of that song number one yeah. american dream gone wrong and number yeah. two just a lyric i found really funny so many creeps in hollywood i'm in yeah. this dumb motel near the taco bell <laughs> <laughs> exactly so that's not the dream right that's not yeah. what you see on tv yeah but it's so that's i think uh it's um uh, it's quite a statement to open an album with a song like that. There's like um, musically challenging, um, not so not half as pop as most of the album, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, and and it's kind of it's not the kind of pleasant lyrics you would associate with a popular song as well. So it's like, well, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's, it's quite, cool. quite dark. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say that. I've actually, um, there's two other songs that I felt this about and just agreeing with you. Um, the music comes across as more pleasant than the lyrics, isn't it? The the, yeah. the music you're hearing, if you were to sort of take the, if you were to just have, if the vocals weren't saying words, but it was just the notes he sings, you'd think, oh, this is a nice song. Like, it sounds nice. It's pleasant in my ears. The chords are nice. You know, there's not, there's loads of major chords, not very many minor chords. It's pleasant to hear. Yeah, the lyrics actually tell a darker story, as you said. Yeah, yeah, and and um, there's some reflections and in, in, in some 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 interesting points in the lyrics about about the 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 two band leaders like uh, relationship as well because they well Hartsong left the band in '83 if I'm not if I'm not wrong or '85 okay. not not really uh, uh, you know many many years after this album so they they yeah. already had their clashes and their uh, uh, um, differences at this time, and so it's, it's quite, and that is reflected on the lyrics, and it's it's, it's quite dark in that sense. Mm. Uh, and but as I said, the, the, the melodies are so beautiful, the vocals and everything. And uh, just to to make it uh, fair to them, at the end of this song, it does get more cheerful, and it's like, oh, you haven't tried hard enough, you know, just keep going, and things are going to be fine. Yeah. But it's still uh, uh, not a very positive way. Uh, uh, to 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 start an album in in, in terms of lyrics, but you know it's like 
that's rock and roll, right? You do whatever. Mm. I'm talking about rock and roll. What, how about the next song, if you don't mind me moving on to the next song? Um, yes, yeah, the logicals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very, it's very, again, it's got that very musical theatre thing, isn't it? Where it's like, you know, yeah. when I was younger, da, 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 yeah. the logical, da, 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 da. it's just very, very, I don't know, staccato the whole way through that intro. Um, very cool. What do you like about it? Well, uh, let me ask you one thing. Did you get to know the song when you were quite young? Or were you uh, young? No, no, I wouldn't say so. Okay. Like I said, the first time I heard Supertramp was about eight years ago on that DVD. Got into Crime of the Century a couple of years ago and now Brixton America. So yeah, I so I was quite young and I obviously I'm not like I, I didn't speak English, but not only that, I, I don't think I would have paid attention to the lyrics. And I think when you're young, uh, you could enjoy the melody and, and even sing along. Yeah. But, and it's, as I said, it's like theatrical and it's happy and it's up-tempo. It's got all the elements of a great radio hit, mm. but the lyrics. <laughs> the lyrics are like, <laughs> oh, my God. I, when I listen to it, it's like it, it just it makes me feel bad sometimes. Like, it's like, basically they reflecting on on like yeah when you're young everything's all right and, and you can all you see you see the world uh under a different perspective isn't it you see yeah. the beauty of nature you see like uh uh you know uh your friends and you're having a good time and then i love this line but then they sent me away to teach me how to be sensible logical responsible practical Wow. Well, that is, isn't it what, what people do with us in life? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, you're like naive, you, yeah. you, you're happy, you're enjoying life. It's not how it is. Let me yeah. send you to a place. It can be school, it can yeah, be yeah. whatever. So, yeah, yeah, job, and then you, you need to be sensible, you need to be logical. And just skipping to the very end of the song, I love what they, uh, there's a, I think it's the very last line. I was feeling so logical, digital. So it's becoming robotic. So there's a reference to technology there. How doesn't it relate to, to modern life? No. Like yeah, we're becoming no, I, more digital. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what? I'm going to come back to that point because I just want to go back to what you said about one of the first lyrics. It says, um, it, what was the first lyrics you mentioned? Um, uh, they sent me a way to teach me how to be sensible, logical, responsible, practical. So, so the next verse, it gets a little political, doesn't it? Isn't there something where it says... Uh, oh, I love it! Yeah, and I have it here. What is I it? Had, I had that. So, uh, I said, "Watch what you say, or they will be calling you a radical, liberal, fanatical criminal." Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? That's almost very like, political. That's almost like when when I read those lyrics, I kind of thought, "This is the the the, the I don't know what I don't know what, what what word to use modern. Well, I say modern, but yeah, this was bloody nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> that end of 1970s him trying to say even then people are telling me to keep my views calm yes or you're going to be labeled labeled a liberal and a radical yes yes and and think about yeah liberal or radical so uh whatever you do there there is not um whenever you disagree with whatever is the official uh, uh agenda then you're going to be labeled as something or, you know, pretty much everything you say is going to put you into a certain, you know, it's well, a certain label, isn't it? It's like nowadays. Yeah. I know I, I don't, 
nowadays, anything, any opinion you have, someone will be offended. And I'm not, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, oh, you know, I hate wokeness. I'm not trying to sort of comment on that. No, I'm no, just no. saying that now there are so many opinions out there, and especially with things like Twitter and modern media highlighting minute details, any opinion you have. Nowadays, someone will seem to be offended by it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because oh, there's obviously people who are intentionally offending people and just not being nice. Yeah. And there's people who just want to state a certain opinion uh, without even being aware that that's offensive for some people. The, the, exactly. the interesting thing about this is uh, these like traits of uh, society were uh, clearly already happening years and years ago where people would be just waiting for an opportunity to label you, point a finger at you, cancel you, let's put it mm, like that. Yeah. And and it's what what is saying the lyrics. And uh, and if you don't sign up uh, to to whatever what they want you to sign up, um, and then you're just not part of society. That that's very clear in, in the lyrics, and it, it still happens, you know. And it's think, it's yeah. And I think nowadays it just became bigger because of the. Uh, the amount of information we've got available and the speed of information, that is the main issue, I'd say. And the platform that, reg that yeah. in quotation marks, regular people have to voice their opinions, like Twitter, like social media, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I just, like, um, mention another part of the lyrics here? I, I love it. Just after that one, when, when he's saying that they're going to call you a, a criminal, and it says, won't you sign up your name? We'd like you to feel that you are acceptable, respectable, presentable, vegetable. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so join us in being a normal person because you think like us, because yeah. we want you to be part of our group where everyone thinks the same thing, isn't it? It's amazing. It's this, uh, and um, well, I think I think it's time for a segment. Oh, okay, go for it. Yeah. So, how rock and roll is this? It's a massive radio hit uh, with a catchy chorus and all the elements of a, a perfect pop song with lyrics criticizing uh, the normal way people live their lives, criticizing what is popular and what is acceptable <laughs> and making you reflect on those things. Like yeah. in a, So it's, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a way of using um, accessible music to yeah to criticize what is acceptable in 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 society so well uh, a, lot of, a lot of bands obviously have done political lyrics and, and lyrics against the establishment and all that sort of stuff but what i think makes this so rock and roll is that like you said it was such a radio friendly song it was probably one of their biggest hits it was played everyone knew it so i'm going to give it the rating for the same year it was released, it is a 79 out of 100 for that one. <laughs> right. Anyone can relate to that because regardless of uh, uh, what kind of opinion you have and regardless of the subject, everyone has been labeled as the weirdo at some point in their lives. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just because you didn't agree with a certain thing or you didn't belong to a certain group. And uh, I think, and it's 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 shocking the way he reveals this like reality. It's, it's almost like, I, I feel like, when I'm listening to it, I feel like I'm seven years old and someone is just telling me, listen, the world is not what you think it is. And if you don't sign up, 
you know, to the to the uh, official uh, stories or to what the the people in this place wanted to sign up to, then you know, you're not part of the community, you're not part of yeah. society. And you know, an interesting thing to add to that yeah. is that you got to remember that having in America, that's three years after the Vietnam War ended that they were yeah. recorded. So you you have to imagine that America was quite divided at this point. Um, yeah. And a lot of racial tension and segregation was going on in the 70s, wasn't it? So as well as that, the Vietnam War that divided people completely, you know, I think generally there were probably more than two sides, but the two biggest sides were, well, we got to defend freedom throughout the world. So we should be there fighting. And the other people were saying, well, actually, this isn't our war. You know, we shouldn't be sending our own troops to be killed in a war that we really have nothing to do with. So that had to be a huge divide. And I wonder if Supertramp going over to America to record this album, I wonder if they felt the sort of... Um, tension. Well, um, no, yeah, yeah, but the, the the fallout of the tension, because the war had ended by this point. I think it ended in 1975. So you've got three years of the country kind of trying to rebuild itself after that war. And like you said, I wonder if they were sort of witnessing the fallout of the tension of that war. But um, yeah, yeah, also as, as, as British uh, uh, musicians in America, they have a different uh, view of that, isn't it? Like you're, you're a foreigner. So, uh, uh, it, and it's like, well, it's this, it, it maybe you can see the different sides clashing and thinking, if I'm around those people and I, and I, don't agree with that so i'm i'm a weirdo but i've I'm, if i'm in the other group as well and i don't agree with that i'm also the weirdo so that's that's what i think this song is is, is so cool because it's like it's not belonging and i think there's a even more like um philosophical side of it is when is pretty much asking someone to help him to to recognize himself like who who am i you know yeah. i need you to tell you who tell me who i am yeah i don't know who i am anymore um, I wanted to go. I said to you, I wanted to come back to your comment about the digital lyrics in this song. Yeah. So to move on from there, I'm going to go all the way to the last song of the album because I found the lyrics really interesting here. The, the last song is Child of Vision. And here are some lyrics. There's three different sort of sets of lyrics that I really enjoyed. Number one, you say you're having fun, but you're busy going nowhere, just lying in the sun. Number two, and you're poisoning your body and you're poisoning your mind. And you gave me Coca-Cola because you said it tasted good. And you watch the television because it tells you that you should. And the final lyric, there must be more than this life. And when you were talking about digital earlier, I was kind of wondering if this was a little, not a dig, but an observation of generations to come, you know, child of vision. Uh, Are they becoming obsessed with unimportant stuff, Coca-Cola and television? What do you make of those well, lyrics? Yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot uh, about that. Especially again, think about this. So British guys going to America for a while, and uh, all those things that you see here and you see everywhere in the world is probably just bigger in America because it's everything is bigger and louder. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then you have you have uh, um, you know, oh yeah, you need to drink Coca Cola. Here's some Coca Cola. Watch TV. Do this. Do that. So, uh, as Roger Waters said, you, you're going to amuse yourself to death, isn't it? So that it's, it, <laughs> yeah. and it's what it is. You keep you keep yourself busy with video games and TV and 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 junk food and all that stuff. And they probably saw a lot of that, especially in LA, I'd say. Mm. And um, and it, yeah, it makes you think. Like, will I ever find time to think of the important stuff? So yeah, so the digital era wasn't. Well, it was going on, right? Not yeah. at the same level, 
but it was already going on and they could see that and isn't this one of the most amazing things uh of rock and roll artists is the ability to see beyond and to talk about topics that people don't want to talk about yeah it's like addressing issues that that yeah. not necessarily issues but addressing uh top like you said topics and discussion points that actually if some people are uh not afraid but it's kind of like you know I, I suppose in that time where television was becoming more popular who who would sit there and say oh this is a bad thing yeah. i'm not, I'm not oh, saying yeah. super tramp is saying it's bad but they're obviously observing the impact that it's having on people's lives and like you said maybe in america uh it was bigger uh the the, the obsession yeah. with television the coca-cola boom and all that stuff i wonder if they sort of saw that on a much grander scale than in britain and went well hold on let's is, is there something going on here? And again, I think technology is fantastic. And we're so, fa- I mean, look at us now. This is the only reason we're able to do this is because of technology that they didn't have back in the 80s and 70s. So it is a f- fantastic achievement for humankind to to be where we are now. But, you know, you see, I mean, you live in London. How, how, how many people, maybe including yourself, on train journeys, everyone's on their phones Scrolling, yeah. scrolling, scrolling. You know, yeah. if that makes people happy, fine. But I love that Super Tramp have kind of addressed it here, becoming oh. obsessed with TV and Coca-Cola. And look where we are 40 years later. <laughs> exactly. We were on the phone all the time. Yeah. And it's uh, like now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah, but I think that that's a, that's an interesting thing. There's there's like sides to everything. And there's a, a, um, a positive and a negative impact of, of, of every um, every modern technology and every achievement that humankind yeah. has because it's yeah. like things get better but they get worse in different aspects yeah. and i think the beauty of their approach super tramps approach to this is like we're not giving you um a 100 um, percent solid point of view and saying because otherwise they would be doing the same thing they criticize oh this is what it is mm. and and that's what you should think or you should agree with us it's, it's like, almost just an observation, isn't it? It's an observation more than simple like criticism or, 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 or oh, listen to me, follow my point of view. That's yeah. one thing I love about it. It's like, well, we're observing things and we find these things a bit, I don't know, it, we, we, we think we should be talking about this. It doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean they have a, a solid uh, point in a certain way, like, oh, you need to oh, listen to me. This is what's going on. And if you, yeah. if you can't see it, is you wrong? That, that's, that's maybe why they're so cool, because it leaves it open to the listener to, to, yeah. to just think with them, not to yeah. agree with them, but to think. And I love it. Really cool. Yeah, uh, that, well, I, I really, and also, <laughs> uh, what a way to start an album in that sense with uh, deep lyrics and and um, uh, interesting creative arrangements. And and you go from Gone Hollywood to Logical Song to Goodbye Stranger. One yeah. after, I think it's one of the best sequence of of. of of tracks to open an album I ever heard in my life. I think they do it. Do they do it in uh, in the Paris? Okay, so so they don't do Gone Hollywood, but they do Logical into Goodbye Stranger. Um, they make sense together those two songs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, they are three really good opening songs, and Goodbye Stranger is one that I quite like as well. They um, they actually the first time I heard it was um, in the American version of The Office. 
Uh, you, you know it. You've seen bits of it. Oh, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. And they yeah. do. They, they hate this guy called Toby. And so when he leaves, Michael Scott, the main character played by Steve Carell, he he's so happy. He hates this guy. He's happy that Toby's leaving. He goes goodbye, Toby. <laughs> like, and he does a little <laughs> a little parody of it. And it is it's pretty funny. So that's the first time I heard the lyrics. Um, in that sense. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, heard the melody. Heard this song in in place. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we mentioned it earlier, didn't we? Conversational vocals, the back and forth between them, very keyboard heavy. Um, I love the guitar effects at the end because uh, it comes in with like this really, I don't even know how to describe it, this weird guitar effects that come in before it starts soloing. And this is actually the point where I wrote, I love how the guitar isn't the main instrument in the song. It's there to embellish, not to lead. And you're right, it's a, it's a trio of fantastic songs to kick off an album. It is. It's 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 just just perfect. And the lyrics, I like I like the um, again uh, going back to analyzing things, observing things, but not necessarily uh, having to take a side. Because that's a really interesting thing. Uh, I love this part of the lyrics. Where it says, "Goodbye, stranger. It's been nice. Hope you find your paradise. Try to see your point of view. Hope your dreams will all come true." I don't know if it's ironic or not, but the whole thing oh. is like, listen, I. I couldn't really subscribe to your point of view, but I hope you find your happiness. That's so beautiful. That's a really, yeah, that's a really clever way of interpreting it because I didn't go that deep. I kind of just thought it was about multiple um, short relationships with women um, that he just couldn't find the appropriate, um, I don't know, connection he was looking for with these women. Um, well, what do you make of them? Because I've only got two points. I, I either thought it was about, like I said, multiple short relationships with women called Mary and Jane, or yeah. I thought he'd gone Paul McCartney and wrote a, a hidden song about weed because obviously weed yeah. is known Mary as Jane. marijuana, marijuana and Mary yeah. Jane is like a, what's the word? A, uh, not a euphemism, a slang for, for weed, you know, Mary Jane, marijuana. Um, yeah. So I did think it was about that, but the lyrics almost seemed a bit too deep for it to be about weed. <laughs> so what, well, what do you I think, think of them? So. I think it's about relationships in general, like friendship yeah. and, and, and uh, yeah, I think it could be anything. Um, and uh, I, I think it's interesting that, well, there's, there's a verse, I want to mention this verse, which I really like. Now I believe in what you say. It's, uh, it's the undisputed truth, but I have... To, uh, but I have to have things my own way to keep me in my youth. So he's, right. he's saying to someone, what you say is, is the absolute truth. Yeah. But I don't want to do it. But I don't want to subscribe to it. I don't want to subscribe to it. I want isn't to that what we were saying way. about, um, yeah. uh, which song were we talking about? Uh, Child oh, of Vision. Song. Oh, yeah. yeah, Child of Vision. And Logical, yeah. Brilliant. Some tiny words that sort of link together can, themes of a much yeah. larger scale. Yeah, he can be ironic. I think I've I've found this uh, interview with, with Davis, and he mentioned something about this song. Um, being it could say it can be about the boy girl thing, or it can just be about two friends, or about you know any sort of of, of relationship. And it's um, when you think about it, it's just yeah, how hard it is to accept that someone thinks different than you. And uh, that doesn't mean they're right, you're wrong, or, or the other way around. And it's and, and it's just you say, okay, I believe, what, you know, I understand that your point of view is the ultimate truth for you, but it doesn't work for me. And and yeah. and I I would like to think they're not being ironic about this or or sarcastic or 
It's just like, you know because what? Because it's, it's an important Have your own way. Yeah. yeah. It's like, be, be happy and I'll be happy my own way. Yeah, exactly. Love it. And, um, and yeah. Going to the next song, I'm really interested to hear what you think the lyrics are about in this, because I tried to sort of make sense of them in context with the America thing, with maybe some relation, you know, further down the album, we get into his relationship with his wife a bit more. But I couldn't really decipher Breakfast in America. And I tried to Google it as well. And I didn't really see much analysis of it. Well, what, what do you think this is about? What, well, I, I, did, I did have to uh, look for an interview and uh, hard some mentions oh you're, you're showing me up felipe all i did was google you had to find yeah. interviews look who's well, the pro yeah, now yeah i'm the pro <laughs> what did he say about it well he's he's actually saying um um well he said when i wrote breakfast in america i mean obviously i had a lot of dreams one of them was to go to america and the america that we saw on television was very different to the america that we very much more connected to today mm. i mean it was a very uh archetypal is that what i say yeah 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 yeah, in a way, everyone in Texas is a millionaire, for example. So a lot of my thoughts, you know, want to see the girls in California. It was just a playful song. Uh, think, uh, think, dreaming of going to America. I think the Beatles had, ju had just gone to America. Maybe that affected it. But again, I was dreaming and having fun one day, and this song just flowed out. I think the lyric was written in about an hour, so I didn't even stop to think what I was writing. It just came out of me. So wow. I think, yeah, so it is about the American dream and the fact that um, it's not really, just like the first song, just like Gone Holly, yeah. it's not like the dream. But yeah. they actually mentioned that they, they've, with those words, uh, the America that we're very much more connected to today. So they accepted the truth. So this is the real America. And that's, and that's where we live and that's what we're doing. And that's the school. It's not a dream. It doesn't yeah. have to be a dream, no. So I think it's 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 uh, it's positive in that way. But it is about the American dream. That's mm. what it is. Um, musically, I think this song encompasses that art pop genre uh, the most. You know, oh no, art yeah. rock. It says because we we spoke about art pop when we did um, uh, Hunky Dory by David Bowie, and we we sort of said that it, generally it's. Um, it's taking the concept of pop and or rock in this case and experimenting with things like classical music and other other parts. Um, and with Brexit in America, you've almost, you've got that keyboard that sounds like um, the harpsichord, you know, the Baroque style yeah. instrument. You've got the odd, almost Middle Eastern saxophone that comes in, you know, the little solo interlude. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. And funnily enough, it's the uh, shortest song on the album as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's just, maybe it's that. I mean, uh, it's, I love the fact that he said he wrote the lyrics in one hour and the song yeah. just came out. Uh, sometimes when you don't think or you don't overthink a song, it just get it, it just sounds better. I mean, yeah. maybe it's the best you can do uh, as a songwriter, and and at least with this song. So it's funny because it, it it sounds to me that the whole album has been thought through. Like you know, we need to do this, we need to do that. Arranged uh, the lyrics for a logical song are beautiful, like well crafted. On this one, as I said, uh, what's the line he mentioned? Everyone in Texas is a millionaire. It's like, yeah, just just throw things like that, like yeah. uh, you know, like like if I'm twelve year old, twelve years old, and I'm writing a song about America, yeah. and and I think that that's beautiful. I think it's a big contrast, as I said, a shorter song, um, maybe not so deep lyrics, you know, but really cool. I love the it. Yeah, sticking with the American lyrical theme, um, my, my favourite song on the album is The Long Way Home. Um, oh, I found, 
you like it as well it's great isn't it that one um i find the lyrics again very interesting and it's this to me seems um far more uh excuse me um it's 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 telling that story like from gone hollywood and breakfast in america but it's much more specific you know i got the impression of um uh again american dream gone wrong but this time maybe for a performer or someone in the show business who's lost their spark or done it for too long yeah. that's what i thought and then <laughs> i read his interview about it yeah. and hodgson said i'm talking about not wanting to go home to the wife Take the long way home to the wife because she treats you like part of the furniture. But there's a deeper level to the song too. I really believe we all want to find our home, find that place in us where we feel at home. And to me, home is in the heart. And that is really when we are in touch with our heart and we're living our life from our heart. Then we do feel like we found our home. So I think my point actually can stand. It's the, you know... He's presenting it, in my opinion, as some as a performer or a show business person in America who's been on the stage too long. They've done it before. They're being moved on, you know, him or her. Um, they, I think there's a lyric where he says he lost that spark or something. Um, and I think he's he's coupling that idea of being drained professionally to the personal aspects of it. When you start getting tired and fed up with your job, whether it's, you know, a nine to five job or performing on the West End, you then, if you get fed up of it and you're bored of it, then you tra- then that translates to home. And he's mm. talking about, you know, he just, he doesn't, going home to his wife, it's just another task of the day. He's fed up. He's going to take the long way so he can, he can delay the inevitability of having to maybe argue with his wife or sit down for another meal that, you know, do you know what I mean? So I feel like he's, there is a deeper level of meaning to this song than what the lyrics suggest, but I still feel yeah. about that American dream gone wrong. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, there's a lot to do with a musician's lifestyle as well. And essentially, he's talking about finding home in your heart because um, when you're on the road, you don't have a home. But yeah. that feeling of being on the road uh, constantly that might feel like home to you. And I think yeah. that's what they're talking about. Like, although it's difficult, I don't want to go to home, home, because then I'm, I'll be stuck in the same place with the same thing. So it's a bit. I think it's, there's a, there's a, a conflict between. Uh, the hard life on the road and the hard reality at home. Yeah, it's like it's, it's which means regardless of where you are, you need to uh, to find your own place inside yourself. And th- I think there's loads of like, uh, there's almost like a religious thing. And I, I want to mention another song. It's the seventh song in the album. Lord, is it mine? Okay, which um, uh, it's like a religious song, but it's not simply praising God. It's like I mean, I, I want to know if 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 I can talk to you. It's more like, uh, uh, is it like, uh, am I allowed to do this? Am I part of this? And it's it's kind of uh, questioning and trying to reach out to God in that way and questioning things. And it's um, this uh, is quite uh, a deep well, album, isn't it? Lyrically, it is, it is I think pretty it's, deep. I think it's an album. Um, I think it's a well crafted progressive rock album about human condition yeah that's how i see presented it. in uh, an almost pop format yeah exactly and i, and I think uh, um yeah it communicates because of that and uh, i i read something that, that that might explain some uh some things but it's i didn't find any quotes from them to to back this information so it's just something i want to mention yeah um 
someone said of a few people said that Hodgson was a spiritual kind of religious guy and Davis was an atheist. So that and those reflections are there uh, in the, in their music. Those uh, the conflict between those two views in a positive way, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if this is true. So I'm just mentioning because I, I I found loads of references to to this aspects of of their. <laughs> Uh, beliefs, but but I, I'm not quite sure if if it stands. But it's well, um, there's not there's yeah. not an obvious um, there's not an obvious uh, nod towards religion like there was in Aqualung, was there? You know, in no. Aqualung, he was very very obvious about how religion. This is the God I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas this, you know, you're getting some spiritual um, implications, but they're so small, isn't it? But what I think is rock and roll in both cases, as you mentioned, I call London, and I'm, I mentioned it, Lords, is it mine, the song? It's like, uh, again, they're not giving you the truth. They're not giving you like, oh, this is like a solid statement, and that's what I think, uh, which I think David Bowie was great at that. I want to talk about It's like they're writing songs whilst they still don't understand what they're talking about. Yeah. And this is beautiful. It's like I'm trying to figure out who I am, what I'm doing, what is God for me, what is the world, what is America for me. I yeah. don't know. I'm just like, uh, and as I try to figure it out, I'm going to write it down and 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 create a song with it. And I find this just such a beautiful way of writing music. And it's and it's okay, isn't it, to to sort of to, to accept the what you're feeling now might change in the future. So I've got a Led Zeppelin tattoo, as you know, and someone said, what if you end up not liking Zeppelin in 50 years? I said, first of all, it's never going to happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I said, listen, even if, even if that does happen, let's say 50 years from now, I've, I've, I've forgone all my heavy metal and rock and roll and I only listen to classical music. The reason I got a Led Zeppelin tattoo is because it is these four gentlemen who got me into playing the bass. And I played the bass professionally for 10 years. So it was a huge, significant part of my life that was started by this one band. So even 50 years from now, if I don't like Zeppelin, I can still look at that tattoo and it will take me back to a place in life and a moment in life where they meant something to me. They meant something to me so much so that I got a bloody tattoo. And I kind of feel the same with these lyrics and what you're saying about them. Even though Roy Hodgson's views on whatever he's writing might, might might be different today than they are back in 1979, at that moment in time, in his career, in his head, that's how he felt. And I think it's yeah. important to get the words on paper, just as I've got a tattoo on my arm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because that reflects a moment in time. A moment and in I think time, yeah. Every album is a moment in time. An album is is like taking a picture to me. It's a, it's a photograph because it's like that thing happened that way only once. Yeah. But we have the pleasure to listen to it over and over and over again because it's being recorded, it's being registered as as as. And those guys, I think, never played together again after they they um, split. So you had Rodson Hodgson doing doing his. Um, um, solo career and have Davis in charge of a new uh, version of Supertramp and they never actually got together again but that moment in time is there as an album as many yeah. albums actually and the, the song Casual Conversations is about yeah. their relationship as musicians and yeah. about the fact that they could at that time see 
that it wouldn't last, even yeah. though it took a few more years to to actually break up. But they they knew. So uh, uh, yeah, I've I've got the the notes: passion and love fading from the relationship. And whether this is a relationship between him and his wife, which I thought it was initially because of the song Long Way Home, but you you you, you could be right, man. It could be about the relationship between the band. Well, Did you read into it? Do, do you know that it's about the band? Of course. Davis said in an interview, see, surname again, uh, with uh, <laughs> the Melody Maker magazine, he said, I suppose it's me and Roger to a degree, me not being able to communicate with him, wanting to get out at times. And now it seems... Uh, uh, that's, that's, and there's a verse I want to quote. It's like, and now it seems it's all being said. If you must leave, then go ahead. Should feel sad, but I really believe that I'm glad. Wow. And this is a, and this is, a, so if you join, if you put together that quote from the interview and this line of the song, it makes you understand it is about them. But yeah. again, that's, that's what I like when things are not uh, explicit in the lyrics. I love when the songwriter leaves that space for you to interpret in your own way. So say it could be about a husband and a wife. It could be about two friends. It could be about uh, uh, two brothers, you know, yeah. anything. Because it's it's a relationship, like, you know, uh, it's a relationship conflict or whatever it is. So Yeah, interesting. Yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's cool, man. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Because, I mean, I think we've, you know, lyrically um, we've song by song already. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And, I like, and I think you're just going back to Lord, is it mine? Sorry, did you wanna? Yeah, no, just go down. I was gonna say, Lord, is it mine? Um, I thought the lyrics were fantastic. The music, however, I felt it was the one thing about that song. And I'll tell you the notes I've made is I didn't think it was anything special. And actually, I think it's would I go as far to say that I don't like it on the album because it. With every other song, there are moments of specialness and creativity that you feel like only Supertramp could bring. Whereas this song, I didn't think there was that much unique about it. I thought it could have been written by any other rock band at that time. There was nothing, there, was no, there wasn't that Supertramp magic dust on it. Uh, yeah. So I don't want to be like I'm criticizing. I just it was a, it was a it was an observation out of all the songs. I felt this one was the most generic, and actually I could have heard this be performed by anyone else. It, it didn't it's, have that super tramp magic on it. No, it it didn't it it didn't in that way uh, because it's um, it's more straightforward, just piano and vocals. It's more like oh, listen to these really deep religi- religious lyrics. I wanted yeah. to listen to it, so like, I'm not going to add too many layers because I wanted to listen yeah. to to the message. Maybe that's what it is. There's no drums for the first half of the song, so basically there's no proper arrangements. It's simple, and yeah. I think it works. I mean, uh, the the song that comes after that, just another nervous wreck. It's it's the most aggressive one in the album. There's more guitar. There's a guitar solo, and it's, and that has some sort of uh, super Trump vibe to it, but it's it's still different from the other ones. Uh, the song we just talked about, Casual Conversations, has a bossa nova vibe on bass and drums. It's yeah. it's it's really so. Again, there's no formula in a way, and um, none of the I songs think, have a formula, do they? Yeah. It's just fantastic. It's like God, the mm-hmm. songwriting, brilliant, isn't it? Well, I think what connects the the album is is the 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 deep lyrics, the reflection on the human condition, and all that mm. stuff, and the conflicts. Uh, which is it's it's a common theme, you know. When we talked about albums like Rumors by Fleetwood Mac and, and The Dark Side of the Moon, those those uh, um, kind of uh, subjects are approached in, in those albums as well, you know. Uh, and it's and again, that's that's maybe uh, 
I would dare to say this because I'm not following uh, popular music. Uh, okay. I don't listen to radio. But I would dare to say that it's kind of missing nowadays, isn't it? Just, go a, bit, just go a bit deeper into lyrics like um, yeah. write about something that's going to make people think not like oh i lost you i'm suffering let's cry yeah. together and that's it <laughs> I, I agree with you I don't, I don't know if there is that much there in pop music again i, I don't i don't know when the last time i listened to a radio was or, or like a a popular music radio station there's the for me, you know, the whole point of this show is, is that there's there's too much good stuff from the 70s and 80s that I haven't <laughs> listened to. To you know, I'll, I'll catch up with the 2020s when I'm 50. You know, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> well, actually, we're gonna do we're gonna do some stuff about more recent albums, I guess, at some point. Yeah, we got that coming in the yeah. future. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I want to ask you why why you chose. So for, for for listeners, just so you know, Felipe chose this to do this album today. What um what what makes this rock and roll to you? Oh, good question. I think um wow, that's tough. Um obviously in one word we've said it a million times is freedom. Uh but I think it's the fact that the songs don't necessarily have to have a certain formula. You have a two-minute song and you have a seven-minute song. Yeah. And you have uh, like complex arrangements followed by straightforward pop songs. Uh, it's a diverse album. And what makes it rock and roll is that freedom to write songs that uh, uh, that do not relate to, to each other in terms of instruments or orchestration, but have a deeper meaning in terms of lyrics and the fact that you can criticize society uh, without necessarily criticizing the listener and you're just mm. giving them some, listen, this is, uh, I, I feel that things might not be going the right way or I feel like uh, we've been we've been tricked into this, you know, we've been made out of fools and that's how we live in our lives. Yeah. And I'm here to criticize everything uh, uh, with good music. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going what makes to, it rock and roll to you? Um, John, let me answer that with my monologue after. That's yeah. it. My favorite I, part of the show. One part I just wanted to do, and this is a little bit of a, um, well, I'll introduce it now. This is a little bit of a uh, Laz Unleashed. So um, this thing, I don't, you know, I know you've got someone, one of your colleagues in uh, in Soho, who's going to do a show about this. So I'll make sure I'm absent from the show that day, so that he doesn't have to respond to what I'm about to say. Right. I uh, I don't know, man. I don't like saxophone in rock music. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It just feels really. It feels a bit outdated. I don't like the tone of the saxophone compared to the drums and bass and guitar. There's a song by, again, guys, as usual, all the songs from this album and any other songs we've mentioned will be in a playlist um, attached to the show notes. There's a song by the band called um, It Makes No Difference, which was released in the 70s, I think, and it has this saxophone on. And it's kind of like Supertramp as well. It, it's it, Put it this way, for every saxophone solo, for me, I'd have rather heard a guitar playing the notes. But then, is that what makes this music progressive? Is that what makes this music accessible? Because saxophone came into prominence in the 80s in pop music. You know, think about, um, what's that song, the George Michael song, Careless Whisper? Yeah. 
you got loads of saxophone use in the 80s, so maybe Supertramp were kind of ahead of their time, you know, they, oh, well, let's just try and put a jazz yeah, instrument into rock. Yeah, they were ahead of their time in that, that way. Uh, it yeah. became, sorry, it became sorry saxophonist. It's a lovely yeah, instrument. Just I think stick most, with jazz. <laughs> even, even saxophonists would agree that the, the, the sax solos in the 80s were a bit over the top. At least like, in this yeah. album, they're tasteful and they're played well and they do fit around. And it's never, yeah. it's never as we call wanky for the sake of it. It's very tasteful. Yeah. It's just something about the sound of it that I don't feel works well with sort of the, the rock instruments. But again, Supertramp have, have, have won me over. I like this album. You know, so something's yeah. good about it, isn't it? It's just in general, just to. Yeah, but you, no, if you don't say anything like that, it's not, it's not. An episode, isn't it? We need to. <laughs> yeah, we need more, don't we? Yeah. Um, shall I? Shall I give you my my monologue? Yes, thing? please, please. I'm, okay. I'm, I've been, you know, I'm always looking forward to this. Like that's why I do the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so right, I started with the point I've just made. So, um, the use of the saxophone feels a little outdated to me. As in, I don't think it's aged well. I would much rather have heard guitar solos, but the use of the saxophone would enter pop music a lot more predominantly in the 80s. So were Supertramp potentially ahead of their time? And is this what made their music both accessible and progressive? The vocals and keyboard-led music gives the album a very musical theatre vibe, and it does have a fear, it does have a fairly theatric feel throughout, like a story being told between two characters on a trip to America to try and realise the American dream that didn't go well. The keyboards leading the music, I feel, gives it that progressive feel, but the vocals and harmony choices give it the pop feel. But at the same time, some chord choices on the instruments do revert it back to the progressive feel. So I love the balance that it has between prog and pop, and that can change several times within each song. It's a pleasant album to listen to, and it is a nice experience. I prefer the album Crime of the Century, but this album feels more comfortable. It's nicer to listen to, it's pleasant, it's agreeable, it's poppier. An instrumentally complex album, but never overstepping the mark and never trying too hard to purposely be progressive. It always um, puts the emphasis on making the song work for the listener. Wow. I couldn't have said it better. Thank That's you. That's it. I think it's, I think it's, it's what it is. Yeah, It's, it's a it, nice it, album, man. It really is. It's a pleasant album to listen to. And despite my things about, you know, the saxophone and all that, it is a good well, listen. It, and it might be if uh, if anyone listening to the show doesn't know anything about Supertramp or never spent any time listening to a whole album, it's a great one to start from. Yeah. Because then, it's, then it's, 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 it makes it easy for you to accept whatever they did before and after that album, I guess. It's, it's the way in to Supertramp, isn't it? If you want to get into Supertramp, sure. start with this album. And if you like it more progressive, go to the two albums before. If you like it more poppy, go to these albums. You know, there, there's a, it is the way that you unlock Supertramp. You get in through this album. Um, but for anyone. It, it, and it makes me feel like I want to go to America and eat a massive burger as well. Yeah, yeah. Whilst yeah. drinking Coca Cola and watching TV. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, bro, any final thoughts on the album? I mean, you told us why you think it's rock and roll, but for you personally, what do you like about the album? Well, I, well what makes it personally, work for you? it reminds me of, I said to you, I was actually mainly listening to the Live in Paris album, which contains loads of songs from this album. And uh, yeah. and it reminds me of a good good moment in my life, the first band I ever played with. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I think it's, as I said, it's a good starting point and it was a good starting point and a good uh, way into uh, 
progressive rock for me, although this one is more pop, but it was really uh, that, introduction what, to that kind of exper- uh, ex- experimental sounds and stuff. But that's just what we said it was, wasn't it? It's yeah, the key exactly. into Supertramp's yeah. music, but it's also on, on a wider scale, it's yeah. the key into prog rock. Yeah. So, so anyone listening now who's never ventured into prog rock, do this album first, then go and do Crime of the Century, then go and do Yes, then go and do Emerson, Lake and Palmer. You know, you yes. can work your way back, can't you? Makes a lot of sense. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, Fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, well, bro, thank you for choosing this album. Like I said, you know, and on my first, I'll tell you what, it's an album. So I've listened to it four times this week. And each time I listened to it, I enjoyed it more. That's great. I still prefer Crime of the Century. Some of the songs on that are just phenomenal, you know, especially the song Crime of the Century. I just, yeah, I love that. But we'll save that for another episode because that, that's on our album list. We will get there. We'll do Crime yeah. of the Century as well. But every time I listened to it, it became, you felt more connected. And I wonder if that's the lyrics that we obviously spend yeah. a lot of time talking about. You know, it feels like a personal album. It feels like it's talking to you. Like you said, not saying here's what you should think, but here's what I think from Hodgson and Davies. You know, if you can relate, brilliant. If not, enjoy the music. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. fantastic. Well, guys, thank you again for joining us on another episode of our podcast. Felipe, tell them where they can find us. Uh, you can find us on the internet. There we go. And we'll be back in two weeks for another episode. So have a lovely day, everyone. Yeah, and uh, keep on rocking, everyone. And as usual, take care and long live rock and roll.